Incoming transmission. The McFarland verse word of the day is Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Say wheat. Wheat. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Actually, let's switch this up a bit. Greetings and welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise and this episode of Family Guy in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. His wife has been on the show. In fact, she's the most frequent female guest on Computer Resume Podcast. When I asked him if he wanted to come on the show, he said he'd never watched Star Trek and therefore would never come on my podcast. Well, folks, I've done the impossible. Eh, one out of two ain't bad. It's Fred Sims! Yay! Fred Sims! Hey, buddy. <laughs> I love the fade in and out yay. Like, you could hear... <laughs> The fade in and out as you get away from the the mic. Also, um, I'm uh, since I have broken my nevers, I'm going to submit my uh, my role for the biggest Star Trek villain of all time. Oh, that if uh, I'll never watch Star Trek because if you watch Star Trek, you're dumb, and I tell my wife that all the time. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh man, well, dude, it's uh, it's good to see you, man. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, you know, that's it's not 100 percent true. I, uh, I have watched uh, the the new Star Trek movies, you oh, know, okay. the J.J. The, the Abrams verse. So, I mean, I, I I watch a little bit, but on TV, I don't got time for that. There's other good shows. <laughs> did you like the uh, did you like the J.J. movies? I did. I mean, so obviously, you know, I think Star Trek is enough in the zeitgeist that everybody kind of yeah. has their experience with it across the board, even if you don't really watch it. Like I just didn't grow up watching anything. So it was never as big to me as, as other things, you know, yeah. could have been, but everyone has that interaction. Everybody knows what it is. It's, I don't think you can exist in this life with the touch it has on all parts of pop culture without knowing. So, yeah, I mean, there were things I knew and obviously I know, the characters and things like that and their episodes i've seen here and there but never like full dedicated watch throughs because you know probably the basics of you know kirk spock and mccoy and you know and you know uhura and and uh, mr sulu probably you know jetting around the jetting around doing stuff each week like that's, yeah that's and then, kind of um and some of the cursory there's a, there's things a, like Khan yep, uh, and, um, a wonky, you know, thing they have to do on each planet. And right. somewhere in that Kirk's going to try to bang whatever females available. And then, um, you know, a red shirt's going to die, um, you know, like all of those things. So, um, you know, I have that base interaction, but like there was something about it and it was very weird. It was almost like um, the, the Abrams Star Trek's coincide with the Daniel Craig, James Bonds for me Ooh. in that, um, I was never a big Bond person either. Mm. And then these new Bond movies came out that almost kind of like rebooted this franchise because Daniel Craig took you all the way back to Casino Royale. He's, um, you know, showing you becoming a 007, having to make that initial kill, you know, that kind of thing, you know, taking you all the way back. And 
not giving you like an alternate universe, but really kind of like rebooting the whole thing. Like, hey, this is the stuff you didn't see in all of these other Bond movies because yeah. we gave you an established Bond. Right. We're giving you now a rookie Bond. And in the the Abrams, like Star Treks, you know, for whatever reason, it was here's a new group of people like this is Kirk. That's not Kirk. I've seen Kirk. That's not what he looks like. Um, you know, this is Spock. That's not Spock. He just got big ears. I've seen what Spock looks like, you know. <laughs> so you had this new group that was rebooting the whole thing. And then you find out, uh, spoiler alert for any of you apparently Star Trek fans that haven't seen it at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's an alternate universe that, you know, breaks off when some things happen. So, you know, it was just this interesting kind of like, I get to start over with this group and it's growing my interest gets to follow it as it grows, as opposed to, hey, here's this established thing that's exist for, existed for a decade before you were even born. Right. You know, you don't have to jump in and learn all this stuff. You get to start fresh with this. And so, like, both of them kind of, you know, reinvigorated my interest in the franchise. Um, not enough to really go back and do anything with it, but right, like, right. <laughs> I get to stick with this track, you know, and, and go with that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think it's important to take, it's not that you're not a fan of science fiction or, you know, other forms of film, television, that sort of thing. Right. It's just these huge expansive franchises that span decades, a half a century or more yeah, it's like, I mean, I'm, a, I'm only I'm got a, so much time in my life. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the thing is like you think about it, like I only have so much time in my life and I have definitely filled that with bad choices in terms of TV. So, I mean, <laughs> I probably could have spent the time. Um, and then also, like, as far as science fiction goes, is I'll admit fully that I'm also like a very bad fan of science fiction. Because if you go down the list of like seminal science fiction, yeah, they'll be like, hey, did you, you know, do you watch Star Trek? No, not really. Uh, how about Doctor Who? Yeah, never seen it. Don't don't really feel like going and picking up all of that. Oh, how about uh, any of the Babylons? Nope, don't. Nope. I don't. It, it's nothing I watched when I was a kid. So uh, as a curmudgeonly 40 year old man, I don't really feel like going back and revisiting all that. You give me something <laughs> new. Maybe I'll latch on and roll with it. But then you think about something on HBO like, um, oh, goodness, what is the Game the, of Thrones? No, not game. Game of Thrones. I actually watched. So on the on the science fictiony like fantasy type thing like yeah. that that sticks. Okay. Um, no, it's the uh, Westworld. So oh, like, again, yeah. science fiction, big big show. Yeah. I don't watch that either. So I can't even say like the new stuff. It's just like it's this weird interaction where like I'm picky and choosy over what sci-fi. Yeah. Um. You know. And then there's obviously um, it's a commitment. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're you're committing to you know at least if you're like, well, I'm gonna jump in. And okay, well, you've just commit you just committed to, you know, 20 some episodes of this season or, you know, best case scenario, eight to 12, maybe 15 episodes. But still, that's at least 15 hours, uh, you know, to indulge in, or to, you know, consume this to consume this uh, product. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, streaming makes it easier. You can kind of do it on your schedule most of the time without commercials. But when it comes to things like Family Guy, it's interesting because I think Family Guy is it's not as it's not as expansive as Star Trek because it hasn't been around. You know, it's it's 60 years behind uh, right. Star Trek in length. Still but 20 seasons, though, which is 20 seasons, yeah. uh, almost 400 episodes like there's a and that's just Family Guy. That's not. Cleveland show and uh, American dad and, you know, other things uh, in the McFarlane universe. 
So yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting because I think the per the serialized procedurals are actually harder because it's one of those things where you kind of have to watch each episode as opposed to a sitcom. Okay, it's this family. They live in Rhode Island, and the dog talks. That's yep. pretty much all you a need new to thing. Know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, depending on what season you want, watch the baby wants to kill the mom, or the baby is what makes the show because they realize very quickly that uh, no one cares about the rest of this family. <laughs> it's the dad <laughs> and the baby and the dog. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. But uh, so, when was the last time? I mean. I assume that you've seen this episode before watching it to come on the podcast, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What, what do you have a a memory of this or what was your what was your thought when you revisited this episode of Family Guy? Um so I I remember this episode when it came out cuz I've watched Family Guy from the beginning. Okay, um, cool. you know go all the way back um the the timing of it I you know this came out when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and um so I remember being, you know, it's like that uh, rebellious teenager phase you go through where like this was this was just coming out. Beavis and Butthead was still a thing, you know, like all those things that parents at the time were like, this is stupid. And, you know, kids were like, well, you don't understand. It's super funny. And now, you know, that that has progressed to the level of like, you know, TikToks and things where, the you know, kids are like, oh, this is funny. And I'm like, no, that's stupid. And <laughs> Oh, wait, I just don't understand. I got it. Uh, um, OK, <laughs> but I can remember like the initial run, I think is like first season of family guy, what hooked me immediately. And as it's the dumbest joke is one of Peter's cutaways was um, the one where he talks about driving and he's with Wiley coyote and they run over the road runner and kills him. And he's like, Oh my God, should I stop? And Wiley's like, just keep going. Like, and it was just, it was the (laughs) dumbest cutaway. And I like, it cracked me up. So I was like, I ran into the room and I I was like, this is the funniest show I've ever seen. Like, and so like, I remember watching this episode, um, when it actually debuted and then recently before you had even asked, um, me to come on the show i was actually doing a family guy rewatch um partly because uh i just was looking for something to kill time and be in the background when i was doing other things yeah you know um or i just wanted to annoy ren because it's not her um cup of tea yeah Uh, she, she doesn't really find it as humorous as i find it and i find so like i think the show is funny but then i think her disgusted response to the show is even funnier so it doubles my pleasure in watching the show <laughs> nice. um and then uh it, like during that rewatch you were like oh yeah you know if you could come on and i was like oh yeah I've se- i remember that episode i've seen it and then i started thinking about my rewatch and i realized that in my rewatch it must have been one of the nights where i just kind of had it on in the background yeah. and fell asleep on the couch so multiple episodes had passed right because it's just one of those things where you know that happens and i'm not going to go back and be like oh well, now i'm just here you know i'm at this point yeah um so i went back this morning and actually rewatched it again you know just in preparation nice. and i had i had always planned to rewatch it either the night before or the morning you know because we had we had set this up a little bit in advance mm-hmm. um just to to refresh myself and refamiliarize myself with um what is you know it's a, a b plot in the episode but you know it's super fun yeah um walk through and you know it, it it's as disconnected from star trek as you could be for me to also fit into your podcast right <laughs> those you were like hey do you want to do this family guy episode i'm like that's not for your show <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This whole thing. 
this whole thing is just a, a just a giant ruse to just talk to you on the podcast. <laughs> well, let's uh, let, yeah, yeah, I got him, folks. <laughs> let's uh, let's actually go back. Where, when, what were the circumstances uh, of how we got together? Of how we how we met each other? Um, I tell this story to people all the time. It, it's very weird whenever I tell like I um, I tell people how we met or like that i know you yeah. i feel like i have to break down the whole story so instead of just telling people like oh we both lived in florida and we met and then he lived up here or he moved up here and you know i came back so it's like always this long convoluted story right but uh basically uh free comic book day um uh, i went in and this guy i've never seen promoting this comic i've never heard of uh you know the the first adventures on earth of adam and steve yeah and <laughs> Um, at the time, I was doing a uh, another podcast that um, had no no reach, very very small fan base, uh, and I was trying to convince anybody and anybody uh, I could to come on the show because I felt like that was my um, biggest contribution to the show was getting people to come on. Uh, granted, I was on this show every week, and I felt like my biggest contribution was getting other people to come in and talk, so I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just um, I, I, we had met at that free comic book day, kind of, um, I really enjoyed what you had there at the table. Um, conversation came real easy between the two of us. So I yeah. just randomly invited you and your, your artist onto the show. Uh, you guys showed up to a random house in the middle of Merritt Island, Florida. Um, <laughs> that's not sketchy at all No, <laughs> uh, to, to record a podcast in person. Um, and then we just kind of kept in touch. And then after you had moved back up here to Greenville, mm-hmm. um, you know, my wife and I, uh, who, I, you know, as you mentioned, has been on the show multiple times, mm-hmm. um, you know, stayed, you know, kind of in touch and saw pictures and visited the area, fell in love. And we were just like, yeah, we know two people. Let's go. Let's, let's move. <laughs> um, and then there's, you know, obviously the tie in with with your other show, um, Cinema Shock yeah. um, or Slice of Fried Gold or whatever other name it's existed under yeah. <laughs> um, that, you know, I I met those guys, too. And so, like, just having that whole little, you know, built-in kind of friend group made moving up here easier. Um, and, you know, since then we've just, you know, I guess friends enough for you to get me to do a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> That's it. That's it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I think I was, uh, I was really impressed because uh, when you had me on the show on your show down in Florida, you guys had like a whole big, a whole big setup, like a whole big studio. And this was long before COVID. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the option was to drive to Merritt Island from Melbourne. <laughs> and that was all. Uh, um, so the the show in question, just as a, it's not currently running or or even slated to come back at any time soon. But I believe the episodes may still be out and around. Uh, the show was called O'Reilly Radio it was O-R-L-Y, like the O'Reilly Owl from the memes. Yeah. Um, and uh, all that setup was entirely on the the show's creator and host, Andy. Um, you know, he, he set that, that was his baby. Like he had his whole like, um, computer set up in his room and he's an IT. So like, um, that just kind of blends in perfectly. So whenever there's yeah. an issue, he just diagnoses it and fixes it himself. But I mean, he had that, I mean, the setup, like you said, it was impressive because, um, basically the two computers that we were at where I would record, those are the computers that his daughter used all the time. But then like, once they went to bed, like microphones swiveled around and those computers became like, Oh, this is your station. And here's yeah. your connected mic. And he had it all plugged into a soundboard. He could pot. I mean, he ran the whole thing from that chair. It was, he was the, 
you know, Captain Picard of the show. Like oh, everything wow. ran from a chair, you yeah. know, like he did all of it from right there. So yeah, that was, that was always very impressive to me as well. It's like that switch from like, Oh, I'm playing a game to, Oh, I'm doing stuff for work to, Oh, it's podcast time. Bloop, and then it's all from here centralized. Yeah. Now a lot of people, um, I think when it does, you know, shifting gears back to family guy here, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people, when they do remember this episode, they actually remember the B plot because I, you know, but prior to going and revisiting this, if you'd asked me, Hey, do you remember the episode where Meg does, uh, you know, where Meg gets sick and then, you know, uh, finds God and, and all that. I have been like, yeah, it sounds familiar. It's probably something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I've seen. But if you say, Hey, remember when Stewie kidnapped the cast of TNG? <laughs> Be like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's the 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 seamless blending kind of of the two plots. Yeah. Is um, Meg gets sick at the convention. Yeah, exactly. So you know, like there is so that, branch that, off that tie that in. Yeah, yeah, and then from once that thing happens, they go their own way um, to get the two stories. Because yeah, um, Seth MacFarlane beating you over the head even further with his thoughts on religion and God. Yeah, like maybe it needs a little uh it, it needs a little something to to make it memorable because it'd be like hey do you remember the one where meg got religion and then decided to teach you a lesson and be like which at which season what are you what are you talking about <laughs> yeah exactly well before we get uh too much further into the episode let's get to this week's recap brought to you in part by our patreon supporters rev j jerry antimano cosmic crit and fred and ren sims Alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Stewie, I'm not really much of a fast food eater. Yeah? Can you read my mind? Can you tell what I'm thinking right now? I'm thinking shut up and get a salad. I want some McNuggets. We'll get to you, Brent. I want a hamburger. No, a cheeseburger. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. You'll get nothing and like it. Uh, hello? Yes, welcome to McDonald's. Can I help you? Oh, hailing frequencies open, huh? <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, we're gonna get, uh, uh, two McChicken sandwiches and a Diet Coke and, uh, uh, what do you want, Michael? A McDLT. No, I already told you they don't make those anymore. You know, sometimes it's a regional thing. You could ask. No McDonald's anywhere makes a McDLT anymore. I'd love a shamrock shake if they got any of those. It's September, Jonathan. Stewie, can I take this... Headband off. No, LeVar, you're blind. That's the only way you can see. I'm just saying they have all the ingredients for a McDeal. Just hang on, all right? There's a lot of us. There's a lot of... It's a big order. What time do they stop serving breakfast? It's three o'clock. Some of them serve breakfast all day. No, they don't serve breakfast all day! Do they have beer? Meg catches the mumps when the Griffins attend Quahog's annual Star Trek convention because Peter forced her to stand next to an irresponsible attendee with the mumps to take a picture believing him to be in costume as an alien. Sucks. While recovering in bed, Meg becomes a born-again Christian after watching Kirk Cameron on television and begins irritating everyone with her beliefs. Great. Meg is horrified to learn that Brian is an atheist and attempts to persuade him to repent and convert to Christianity, but he repeatedly refuses. Finally, taking drastic measures, Meg spreads the word of Brian's atheism around Quahog, which generally hates atheists turning him into a pariah. Upon being made an outcast, Brian is banned from every bar and convenience store in Quahog, making it impossible for him to drown his sorrows. Desperate, Brian fakes his repentance and persuades Meg to cease all hostilities against him so he can get back to drinking. But she takes him to burn books that are harmful to God, including On the Origin of Species by Charles Darwin, 
A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, and a book titled Logic for First Graders. A disgusted Brian admits his bluff and attempts to convince Meg that what she's doing is wrong. She refuses to listen. Brian points out to her that if there were truly a loving God, then he would not have created Meg to have an attractive mother like Lois, but have her to more physically resemble Peter, and that she would not be brought into a world where everyone holds her in contempt. There was a firefight! Feeling ashamed, Meg concedes to Brian's argument and apologizes for her behavior, confessing that she does not know how she can feel loved. Brian then assures her that the answers are inside herself, and the real meaning of their existence is out there, somewhere. Yeah, right. Afterward, it is revealed that the entire Family Guy universe takes place within the molecules of a lampshade in the shared bedroom of Adam West and Rob Lowe. Oh, and if you thought you were going to get a play-by-play of Stewie kidnapping the TNG cast... You'll get nothing unlike it! So, when... Uh, when you were living in Florida, I mean, and we're still here in the South, we're definitely in the buckle of the Bible belt, as mm. it were. Um, did you have a lot of experience with organized religion? Um, so it's never, uh, it's one of those things. Uh, we're in the South now. Yeah. Um, I've never considered Florida the South, except for geographically, because right, right. Florida a- is so much of the north or just like a melting pot of, of everything kind of mushed together yeah uh, people think it's fun to live in florida move down there realize it's a bad idea and then move back to greenville south carolina um uh, <laughs> that sounds familiar maybe, maybe that's a little <laughs> on the nose i'll pick another place um but no so it i didn't grow up with a lot of organized religion and it's a very weird thing in my family because my mom did try to make us all go to like sunday school mm-hmm. but the way that my upbringing was, I moved around a lot when I was young. So when we finally settled in one spot in central Florida, um, I was 12 going on 13. So I was at that age where she was like, okay, everyone's going to go to Sunday school this week. And I was like, no, that's, that's not happening. I'm not doing that. Um, And all of my younger siblings did. So I, I think more for her, it was a way to get more time with the kids, not in the house. Right. Because we also grew up in that era where as a child, you spent all of your time not in the house for some reason. Yeah. You know, like summers, you would wake up, get your breakfast, maybe watch a show or two, get immediately kicked out of the house. Don't come back until it's lunchtime. Get immediately kicked out of the house. Don't come back till it's dinner time. We'll begrudgingly let you sleep in the house unless you want to camp. Do you want to camp? Because <laughs> that's also outside of the house. And Sunday school thing, at least in my family, that's what it felt like. It wasn't until I was older that, you know, I came to realize that my mom apparently is religious in her own way. You know, she doesn't go to church or like read a Bible, Mm -hmm. but she has her belief. And so that's, you know, something that she, you know, follows. Uh, So my lack of being involved in religion, like at one point was like a conversation that she and I had. And it was just like, well, how was I supposed to know? Like, this was never anything we talked about at all growing up. Right. And that's just, and I think that was, that is kind of what marks it a little bit different than being in the true South, because, you know, I talked to, you know, some of the the people that I mentioned earlier, you know, having met you and, and having met um, 
you know, the guys on the other show yeah. that were more almost directly involved in that like church lifestyle growing up, because that's just what you guys did. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's what was here. That's what the family's like weekend church, Wednesday church, church school, you know, like oh, that yeah. kind of thing. And, and my uh, oldest daughter, actually, she went to, and this was all because of her, her mom's family. Um, she did go to a, you know, like a private, I don't want to say like Christian Catholic, but like, like a private school yeah. that was more centered on the, you know, the religious side of things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was attached to a church and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I didn't have any issue with that because even though they were a religious school, there wasn't a lot of like that proselytizing to young kids type deal. Right. They just got her ready for, cause I mean, they were more advanced than the other schools in the area. And so, you know, like that's probably the closest I came to you know, any interaction with like organized religion is whenever we were like when I was older and my daughter was in school and being around it more. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I've, I've, I've talked at length about uh, my religious experience growing up here. Um, my father, when he came back from Vietnam, um, went to Bob Jones university here in Greenville. And uh, after he graduated from Penn state, he went and got his master's of divinity from Bob Jones university, which always, <laughs> <laughs> it always sounds so weird, <laughs> but um, the masters of divinity type thing. But anyway, but also like it's, you know, you go one of two routes and I'm one of two routes is really like narrowing it down. But you think about people coming back from Vietnam, you go one of two routes and his route was to go and get a master, you know, like, so to yeah. me that, you know, like he, he had uh, an intention or a way to kind of like push that, um, experience you know or take that experience and develop it into something else that maybe you know could explain to him what had happened or maybe help people further down the road you know like that that kind of thing yeah yeah i think that's definitely uh that may have been a factor for sure but bob jones is one of those schools where they're big on legacies and so when he had graduated i i think there was you guys signed up yeah pretty much uh there was uh like, I haven't even had this kid yet, but don't worry, you're going to get him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that was I think that was it to a degree. But yeah, he uh, I, I got in there at well kindergarten um, and was there through uh, eighth grade. So nine years. So how does that how does that work? Bob Jones is not just a college then it's it's the full it's a full education system. Yeah, yeah. OK, um, so kindergarten through eighth grade, nine years. Uh, I served a nine year a nine year sentence yeah. for a crime I'm not sure I committed. Um, nothing <laughs> sketchy about that at all. When they want to grab them kids from kindergarten and just keep them all the way through their early twenties, like uh, absolutely nothing sketchy about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I think, this is just a bonfire. I swear we're, we're yeah. we didn't start. This is, we, <laughs> we use actual wood and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's interesting because, uh, and there's still people in my life uh, who have been born and raised in that environment. And I think it's, I think it's interesting to see, I think it's interesting to see the blind faith of just, Mm -hmm. of I've known nothing else or I'm in so deep that anything else is over my head or way out in left field for me or whatever it is um, without stopping to understand and appreciate if you know because there there's folks who you know go through horrible horrible things and so finding religion um finding faith 
you know, ends up being this saving grace and, you know, it speaks to them on a level because they've been, you know, they've been at the lowest lows to them. And, uh, you know, this is so much, this is such a change and there's something to strive for something to strive towards. Um, but then there's folks who don't know it, aren't raised in it. And it's more of a, it's more of a decision, a decision to, okay, do I get in or not? Um, or, or there's people like me and my friends who, uh, are on the other show where, we're born and raised in the South and the, in the buckle of the Bible belt, like I said. So it's kind of, you're, you're going, you're going to go yeah, to church. You don't have a mom, choice. Yeah. Cause mom and dad told you to, but once you get to, you know, you know, to where you're making your own decisions at whatever age uh, that is, you start to look at things a little bit closer and start to scrutinize and start to analyze and like, okay, is, is this something I'm going to continue with? Is this something that, uh, that I, that I want to continue to have in my life. Um, and sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no, but it's always uh, fascinating to see the different facets and its effect on different people. Um, I, I still, I, I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hide it. <laughs> it's not anything I shy away from, but at the same time, like I drink alcohol I do stand-up comedy, which is in dirty nightclubs and comedy clubs and bars and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there's, and I'm certainly not perfect. Um, but I think the idea of if, you know, in, in the, in Christianity, there's a call to be the hands and feet of God to serve, to love. And I think people, there's a large sect of those folks that take that to an extreme of, well, I'm also here to dole out God's justice and that sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, you've missed the point. (laughs) You, or you've gone way, way too far. Um, Slow down, Bruce Lee. He didn't mean hands and feet like that. Right. Right. (laughs) But uh, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's nothing wrong with having, with having faith, but I think it, it shouldn't be blind faith. I think that's just yeah. I no, I mean it's it's you bull- kind of talked about at some point. Yeah, I mean you had talked about like you've seen the um the level of blind faith that exists in your your upbringing in the area that we live and you know that kind of thing. And one of the you know it's like I fully understand where you're coming from and that like once you hit that level, change is almost impossible. As you think about it, like we live in a society where people can't handle change with anything, you know, like the local movie theater recently changed from Coke to Pepsi and people were like, I'm never going to the movie theater again, you know, asking them to, to, to change the basis of their belief system is going to, you know, like that it's going to be virtually impossible. And then what happens is you get, you know, that level of, if you do see someone make that change, the, it's such an abrupt and like finalized change that it stems almost from a place of like anger. And so it's something that um, the, the show that I used to, to do um, the podcast that I used to do, like um, all of those uh, people that I hosted with, you know, there was uh, they had either grown up in that, 
religious faith and then decided, you know, at their own point, at some point that they were no longer going to be religious. It was a lot of, um, you know, with atheist, you know, with atheists there, you know, as Brian mentions in the show, um, which I always found funny, like this is a show set in Rhode Island and you're seeing that same kind of like Southern response to him being an atheist. I mean, Lois at one point tells him like an atheist, that's the worst thing you could possibly be. (laughs) Give it a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Wait until the Nazis come back. <laughs> right. Um, but um, to see kind of, um, you know, to to dip my foot into that pool of n- not belief, because, you know, atheism isn't like a belief system. It's almost like a lack of belief system. Right. But, but to dip my toes in that and to kind of see all of that, you know, I would say, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, out her as a person. I don't know if it's come up, but, you know, Ren is an atheist. You know, she does. She has she grew up in a very religious upbringing. She went through that change and her reaction to religion now is almost like that blind faith type thing where right. like she she is just if religion comes up to her, it's an irritant. It, it provokes anger. It provokes, you know, because she's upset about her um, interaction with it when she was younger and the forced interaction and, and how it felt like no escape and how her life was dictated to her. And then she was able to break free, but it's different for someone like myself who I just don't have, you know, I, I've looked at everything. I, I've kind of looked at everything. I would, I guess I would say more agnostic, mm. you know, than anything else. Like yeah. there, there may be something, but I don't know. And a book isn't going to prove it to me, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing sure. um, where I don't have that. You know, like you were saying, there's no problem with faith. I'm I'm very much of the same mindset. Uh, there, I don't have a problem with people that have responsible faith. Yeah. I have a problem with that blind devotion faith, where you then start dictating to other people what they can and can't do, yeah. because someone that you believe in, but not everyone, has told you or you believe has told you to live by a certain you know, set of, you know, a creed or, you know, the certain set of rules yeah. that everyone has to do that. Right. You know, that, that's where, it, you know, I, I bump into, you know, the, okay, now we're going to have to make a sign because, you know, <laughs> it's like, typically I'm living, let live, but you know, you, nope, we're, we're going to make a sign on this one guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's, so it's, I, I definitely see where you're saying that, um, that you can see the differences in in blind faith and, and being able to make that change and stuff like that. And that's where like in this, even in this episode, um, you know, that that's not anything that's going to be like stuck to longer than, you know, the, obviously it's, it's the nature of the show. It's episodic. The next episode, Meg's going to be uh, doing frog with her friends and, you know, right. letting some guy try to stick it in her ear. Like it's a completely <laughs> different situation, but even in the, the course of the episode, like she didn't come to religion as a result of anything other than she was stick you know, sick and got brainwashed by Kirk Cameron. We've all been there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted I if wanted I to live a above a, yeah I wanted to live above a garage and have a friend named Boner. We've all been brainwashed by Kirk Cameron. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Yeah, I you know, the other thing that stuck out to me uh, you know with that sort of blind faith is it's it, it, weirdly folks seem to equate it with a lack of responsibility. Um so, yeah, someone else has got the wheel. It's a, it's a hundred percent. Jesus is taking the wheel. Right, right. I was walking. Um, I was grocery shopping. I was in the middle of a grocery store, and a lady and we sort of. I passed uh this other older woman in a in the aisle, and right as I pass, she hands out. She sticks out a piece of paper to me. It was like, here you go. 
I said, okay, thank you. And I just, it's a piece of paper and I looked and it's one of the, it's one of those gospel tracks where okay. for folks who aren't uh, familiar with what a tract is, it's basically just religious literature of, Hey, are you feeling lost? Come to God, that sort of thing. Um, and I thought, and I, I didn't, you know, yeah, she doesn't know me. And I've, again, we're here in the South. Um, I've got tattoos and I can look mean. clearly the devil. Yeah. I'm obviously the devil, <laughs> but I suppose to some, I could look maybe intimidating or something along those lines. Okay, fine. Uh, but the more I thought about it, it was like, shouldn't, shouldn't there be a question of, Hey, are, are you okay? Cause uh, if you're not, you know, and, and lead into it from there, just don't just hand the thing and walk away. You know, <laughs> what, what if I have questions about what you just handed me? <laughs> um, and again, it's just kind of that, that disconnect of like, you know, because they're so connected because they are quote unquote, so connected to, to God, they disconnect from the rest of humanity. And when I had, Kevin C. Neese from the Gospel According to Star Trek podcast and the author of the Gospel According to Star Trek um, on the show, it was very apparent to me that the whole idea behind Star Trek is this idea of humans helping each other to get to a shared goal, to reach beyond um, ourselves to something bigger, something higher, something more powerful. And, uh, you know, and being the best that we can be, um, and making that conscious effort to, to be, to be better than we can be. And it's the idea, you know, there's a prevailing thought that Gene Roddenberry was an atheist. And when you look closer and look at the things that he said, he was, you know, at a young age, he saw a particular religious experience where people were, uh, claiming to be, uh, ministers of God, but conning hardworking people out of a lot of money and so and that hasn't necessarily changed and that hasn't changed and, there's yeah. still a lot of that going on um like for every every good there still is a bad in that system you oh, know yeah. like there's yeah absolutely. And, that, and that's one of those things is it's easy to focus on the the people that are conning you know that kind of thing because it exists you you'd yeah. be hard-pressed to say that it doesn't it does there's evidence of it all over the place but you can't just focus on that there are those out there who are ministering to people and they're doing it in a way that comes from a place of, you know, wanting to help and actual, yeah. you know, real, real faith and wanting to be, you know, a light of change for someone or just be that person that's there for them. Um, so you, you do have to look at both sides, but yeah, like that's nothing that's changed. So, you yeah. know, the, if he took that as, you know, a, a something that he's looking at and needing to make or wanting to make a commentary on it, you know, like that's, totally understandable yeah and uh it's you know to see to see when good things are happening and call them something else you know i think that you know shoots at at shoots humanity in the foot of like oh well i at least made an effort you know uh i had an interaction online i saw an article about how uh dungeons and dragons is harming america this was an article that was released like recently (laughs) like this is something that was big in the eighties. Like I thought we had moved past this. Um, But, you know, I chimed in with my two cents in this particular forum. It it was on Twitter. I got into a Twitter back and forth with, uh, with a Christian outlet. But anyway, uh, 
you know, to, to say, you know, okay, first of all, this was, you know, 30 years ago that this was really an issue. Um, But, you know, it's been shown that, you know, Dungeons and Dragons has actually been used to, uh, has been used in group therapy for people to, uh, you know, associate with others, learn to empathize and sympathize and all that stuff. It's been used to teach children uh, math and reading skills. Uh, And there are even people out there who are promoting Christian themes with Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, And to, to just say, well, it's harming America. Let me quote Steve Bannon when he said, I'm like, okay, hold on. (laughs) I think we've gotten way off track here at some point, but you know, you're rather than going on and it's easier. I don't see hmm, it's, it's funny to me that rather than try to understand something, people just think it's easier to hate it and instill fear rather than look at it from all sides and make a logical and come to some sort of logical conclusion. Yeah, there's no there's no room for um, nuanced thought anymore. You know, like you you exist in a world where the other is bad and confirmation bias is real. You know, like you you exist in a circle where all the people that you're around believe and think the same things as you. So, you know, you don't associate with people that typically with people that don't believe the same things in you or you know they don't believe the same things as you and you don't talk about those things with them. So you're still only getting the confirmation bias um, that you want to make sure that the things you believe are, are accurate. Um, And I, you know, some of that I still think comes from, um, you know, like I mentioned that, um, that fall from a religious, you know, I don't know uh, specifically like Seth, Seth McFarland's religious tie-ins before he became an atheist you know was he always an atheist did he grow up in the in a religious background and then broke free because he has a lot of that same like ren anger towards religion Mm. you know like one of my favorite things to do um just to to mess with her because that's what my life is is i just mess with my wife consistently and that's my (laughs) form of entertainment is you know like i will constantly tell her that like she needs jesus or that she's keeping me from the church but she knows i have no desire to like go to a church on Sunday that's you know Sunday is me time like Sunday is you know like hang out you know I have no desire to do that but like we'll just be somewhere and I'll be like you know it's like that's why you need Jesus we're gonna start going to church on Sundays you know and like that because I know that it irritates her so much and, and in a way I'm trying to get her out of that like visceral reaction to hearing it you know where it's like you know it's like I get it you grew up in a way that you view as crappy but you're here now. So like, it's not hurting you, you know, someone mentioning now there is a level like, yes, there is a level of, you know, you look at, you know, the, the recent Supreme court things and, you know, I don't want to go too far down that path, but like that comes from a belief system that's harmful, you know, and it's proven harmful. You, you can have your belief. There are ways to work your belief into the system and, and figure out the ways that are going to help people instead of just shutting things down that are going to hurt people that should elicit anger but just someone mentioning religion just someone talking about it you know just you know those type of things your um interaction in the the grocery store where you know that lady handed you a tract if that if someone had done that to her she would come home to me angry that this lady was presumptuous enough to try and share you know the religion is it's one of those things where in my experience like i'd almost want to follow that lady around is she 
is she doing that to everyone? Is it just like her day at the grocery store? She felt like handing them to everyone? Or do I look like a big enough piece of crap that I, <laughs> she was like, ooh, macaroni and cheese. Oh, I'm just, here you go. You're yep. going to need this at some point. Trust me. <laughs> like, go on. And then the other thing is uh, more towards your point of like the, your appearance. You know, you have tattoos, you're, you're a bigger guy. You could look intimidating. Like, clearly he's not with God. But with your upbringing, you know, you considered you are uh, Christian, like you had mentioned, that kind of thing. So what happens in that scenario where you guys are walking down as you pass, you've decided that today is your day to hand out tracks, and she's decided that today is her day to hand out tracks, and you go at the same time to hand them. It's like a wormhole open up in the middle of the Publix, and you <laughs> both, of you, both of you kind of like merge together, and you create like one like giant religious mechazord, and now it's like the Power Rangers of religion stomping around the Publix, like <laughs> handing out tracks from both hands. You peace know, be like, with you, and peace be with you. <laughs> because to your point, like that's where the conversation comes up. Because yeah. you know, like let's say that that was just your mindset too. Like you look like any. Um, it's, it's not a judgment on you, but like you look like any um, youth pastor that wants to like go the cool route of like, hey, look, I've got these generic tattoos. Let me now for you, they're meaning. But like if someone looks at you, it's it shapes and and things like that. It's generic yeah, tattoos. Yeah, yeah. And you have them down here. Like you look like any youth pastor that's out trying to be cool with the kids, man. You got, you know, like your hair looks great. You've got like the, <laughs> the, the, the beards in order. It's all lined up. Everything's great. And you're just out there trying to talk to God. And this lady's like, that's the devil. I'm like, no, ma'am, I've, I've been doing this for like 20 years. <laughs> you know, so it's like, how does that, that conversation needs to be had instead of just making the assumptions of, Hey, uh, look at painted arm guy over here, but like he's clearly going to try to keep teach my kids the D and D and you know seduce them over to the evil side. Exactly, exactly. And I, yeah, it's you know it's funny. I think the biggest laugh that you get out of well, two of the biggest laughs you get out of the whole a plot with Meg and and her uh, finding faith is of course at the book burning. Um, you know when they you know Charles Darwin you know, uh, and Hawking's book and then yep. logic, logic for first, for first graders. Um, but the other part of it is when Meg approaches Brian in the backyard of like, I wanted to give you this cross. That's okay. Would you want it if I threw it over there? Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it just, even, it's like when he gets it and then won't let her take and it. And then back. won't let her take it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, he does. He he growls, um, he growls the, the right, right stuff, stuff. <laughs> the right stuff at her. Yeah, it's it's so funny because I mean, and again, uh, you know, not to take all the fun out of it, but it's an interest, you know, that train of thought that's presented there in this episode of like, yeah, they're burning all these high thoughts, but they're burning low thoughts, too. And then this symbol of religion, you know, I brought it to you, but I brought it to you with this ulterior motive. And I know I'm going to get you to take it because it's a piece of wood. It's a yeah. stick. Um, you know, so I think there's some uh, some elements, uh, you know, deeper discussion things to be uh, drawn from those elements of the show as well. But this is not the show for that. No. <laughs> We're not going to get we haven't even that. talked about the thing that this show is for yet. I know. <laughs> so uh just briefly you're gonna get people that like they come on like this is for whatever reason this is the first episode they decide to listen to yeah They're like oh this is the family guy one they'll get about 20 minutes into the episode and just be like what the f- <laughs> is going on here? <laughs> what are you talking about 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I think this is, uh, it's so funny because again, uh, you know, if I'm to draw some parallels between the A plot and the B plot, um, Stewie holds this cast of spoiled, uh, adolescent, uh, minded actors in extremely high regard. Like he yeah. holds them up as sort of this pinnacle, um, and then finds out, oh, they're just people. This is incredibly disappointing. <laughs> but uh, do you have a favorite interaction uh, when when we finally do get the cast in Stewie's bedroom and then through the rest of the episode? So all of those interactions are actually fairly good. Like when they yeah. <laughs> when they first pop in and he immediately kills the one. So like after watching the episode, I went through and kind of looked at um, notes and, and things like that to try and yeah. dig a little bit deeper and, and look into it because of my um, lack of interaction, if you will, with Star Trek as a whole, because I'm like, oh, I'm sure there are things in there that I'm missing. So, you know, like that initial tie in of like, that's how her character died in the show, too, yeah. was, you know, <laughs> um, a show of force where he's just trying to prove his dominance over the group. So he just shoots her into the wall and like she's immediately dead. And it's like, OK, well, I guess that's not as important. Um <laughs> But uh, the the interaction in McDonald's and just kind of like the, the McDonald's drive through and just kind of dealing with a car full of people who clearly went with no plan. Yeah. And um, that was it. Worf trying to order the McDLT. Yeah, the <laughs> He's like, I'll have a McDLT. He's like, no one's had the McDLT in years. And he's like, well, sometimes it's a regional thing. Just ask them. <laughs> and he like, then it cuts back to somebody else saying something and it comes back to him. And he's like, I'm just saying they have all the ingredients for a McDLT. Like, yeah. I've been in, you know, you've been in that situation where you kind of have that like high-minded you know person who goes out somewhere and they're like well i don't want anything really on this menu but you know like you could take all of these things and make this for me right like well no that's why we have a menu we're yeah. gonna cook these things we've prepped for these things and yes even though we do have all these ingredients uh that would take us out of our whole prep organizational right. like flow to the kitchen and it's just that it, it's a, such a normal person mindset but it also ties into like this is someone that's famous that would have that same, you know, you, you would almost expect that. Like I could see someone famous going into a restaurant and being like, yeah, let me get an arch deluxe. But like, we haven't had an arch deluxe since the late nineties, early two thousands. What are you talking about? Like, Oh, that was actually the last time I was allowed out of my Hollywood bubble to go to a McDonald's. I apologize. Yeah. What do you have now? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I think my favorite interaction is just how antagonistic uh patrick stewart is towards will wheaton of course knowing that yeah. that's not the relationship that they have but you know when will is so excited about i want a hamburger no i want a cheeseburger i want a ha i want a hot dog i want a milkshake and he, rather he doesn't hit him and he oh. doesn't throw anything at him he grabs his head and shoves it into the glass <laughs> You see his eyes cross for just a second. I die every time I see that. It's so funny. And then, of course, yeah, they're going, the whole car is going back and forth about, well, do they serve, you know, what time do they stop serving breakfast? Or, you know, can I get a shamrock shake or anything? Yeah. All of those are fairly decent McDonald's questions for someone who does not go again yeah. for these actors who live in this bubble at least they're in the ballpark and then to come back to michael dorn who goes do they have beer <laughs> <laughs> so they 
um that's the same like you also look at it in the scope of like at the time versus now too yeah so it's like some of those jokes but like yes the shamrock shake is clearly out he said it's september um you know they don't have the mcdlt that's out they don't have beer because it's mcdonald's but patrick stewart asking if they have breakfast and him saying three o'clock well they have breakfast at three o'clock now yeah like that's <laughs> you know that joke is kind of where he where he puts it back on stewart he's like some of them have it all day like well that actually kind of is true patrick stewart look at you being a captain yeah. you know things <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, uh, you know, for all the things that I mean, because you can de- you can debate the philosophical A plot with the nonsense and the B plot. But, you know, at the end of the day, both the A plot and the B plot were put together by this very talented uh, cast and crew behind the scenes. And so let's get to our section that we've lovingly titled Who Do We Blame? So uh, actually, hold on, before you even do any of that, I don't okay. want to cut you off from like how your show works. But if you think about the A plot and the B plot, yeah, and yeah. you know, like a lot of times you think about those as being completely separate. Mm. And, you know, like at this point they branch off. But if you think about it, in this in this case, the branch off is Meg becomes ultra religious. Yeah. And Brian ends up talking her out of that through logic and reason. Stewie is ultra religious. To these are gods to him yeah that's and a good point. through interaction with his own deities uh-huh. comes to the realization that you guys suck you guys and like suck. it ends, ends this for me <laughs> yeah ends the show by saying you've ruined this for me yeah. like just through that interaction is like so even though they're one is digging its heels in on like the religious acts the the b plot in this is almost telling the same tale in just a completely different not direct way it's very underhanded in terms of you know like um by the way i'm still telling you religion in any way you know whether it's religion to god or you hold a religious fanaticism for these movie stars these these people of fame like you're going to end up in the same path like it's all just dumb you know like so it's a it's still a very interesting tie-in yeah to see like how that like wraps together. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's uh yeah, you make a really really good point. Uh yeah, so it's, you know, here it is on the nose and here it is a little more subtle. So we're going to yeah. get the message across in one of these two ways. But uh the people delivering that message were uh Danny Smith is the credited writer of this episode. His first credit was head of the class and uh he was a production supervisor on season 4. Uh, episode one through episode 26 i assume that's the entire uh that's the entire season uh but he was also the story editor from season five episode 10 to season five episode 22 and then he's the credited writer on episodes uh five and 19 of season five he wrote on 14 episodes of nurses a show about nurses (laughs) Uh, and has been with uh, Family Guy since its inception in 1999. He's produced 341 of the 390 episodes, uh, voiced characters in 274 episodes, wrote 19 episodes, and wrote lyrics for three different songs within the episodes. I have James Woods from 2005, My Drunken Irish Dad in 2007, and Christmas Time is Killing Us in 2010. Uh, this episode was directed by Greg Colton, whose first credit was as a lip sync artist on four episodes of South Park. 
did nine episodes of Dilbert as a character layout artist. And after working on Powerpuff Girls and Invader Zim, got on with Family Guy, where he started as a storyboard artist of 11 episodes and to date has directed 33 episodes. Now, the big uh, thing is the guest stars, obviously. And of course, uh, the most notable of which is what we generally cover here on the show. Most notable is Adam West as himself and Rob Lowe as himself. (laughs) What did you think of the brief little scene showing uh, the Burton Ernie-esque relationship between Adam West and Rob Lowe? It's so out of left field yeah like the, the pull out so i mean you've seen that like you go to like um uh men in black and they did that one at one point where like they pull out to the universe and you see you're just like a locker in some alien high school type deal yeah and they close the the thing and in this very similar you know they do the whole um pull all the way out to where you're just like a, a speck or a molecule in the the lamp and there's adam west and adam west makes sense adam west clearly he did mayor west for a long period of time yeah. um, up until he was eventually replaced uh, by his um, brother um, who is voiced by, um, Oh, this is going to drive me nuts. Roadhouse. Um, not Patrick Swayze, but um, the older guy, that, Sam uh, Elliott. Yes. Sam Elliott ends oh up being God. his brother and his name <laughs> is wild West and he's a cowboy. <laughs> um, so yeah. Oh, that's uh, great. So, I don't so know that I that, that. That's great. Yeah, the Adam West tie-in is, makes sense it, it's totally there of course and then it's rob Lowe, and they're both in separate like 1950 style separate married couple beds with the <laughs> they're both reading a book uh rob Lowe's all sitting up and you could chiseled features and adam west looks decrepit in the bed like he's barely hanging on to like he's not even like laying comfortably he's almost he's like on one shoulder and his arms are like holding the, it's just so weird yeah. and it's like where ha, ha, you know, I get Seth knows people, but you just uh, hey, Rob, you doing anything? You, you want to come lay in a bed, and film a scene for thirty seconds? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I think it's so. Yeah, just the yeah, without even any of the dialogue, the visual of just those two guys, and we have we have a big day tomorrow. We're Hollywood. We're Hollywood yeah. actors. <laughs> he goes, you damn right we are, and they yeah, fist bump across the cab. Uh, but yeah, it was so great. But there are a couple of other uh, smaller uh, folks here in the guest stars category. I'll just blow yeah, through them. People may know them. Yeah, yeah some folks, you may have heard of them, but I'll just, I'll cover them really quickly just to cover the bases here. Of course, we got LeVar Burton, Denise Crosby, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner, Patrick Stewart, and Mr. Will Wheaton, all starring as parodies of themselves. Uh, but yeah, this is, of course, Seth MacFarlane directed the recording sessions with the guest stars, naturally. Why wouldn't he? Uh, he's a big, big fan of Star Trek. That's been well documented. But uh, I briefly mentioned that Family Guy was conceived by MacFarlane after developing two animated films, The Life of Larry and Larry and Steve. He redesigned the film's protagonist, Larry, and his dog, Steve, and renamed them Peter and Brian, respectively. Uh Seth pitched a seven-minute pilot to Fox in December of 1998, and the show was greenlit and began production. Of course, that show was Family Guy. The main cast included Patrick Warburton as Joe Swanson, Mike Henry as Herbert the Pervert, Bruce the Performance Artist, Consuela, the greased-up deaf guy, and until 2021, Cleveland Brown. Uh, Lacey Chabert as 
uh, Meg Griffin, who was then replaced in the second season by Mila Kunis, uh, Seth Green as Chris Griffin and Neil Goldman, Alex Borstein as Lois Griffin, Asian correspondent Trisha Takanawa, Loretta Brown, and Babs Pewterschmidt. And of course, Seth MacFarlane voices Peter Griffin, Brian Griffin, Stewie Griffin, Glenn Quagmire, Tom Tucker, and Carter Pewterschmidt. Family Guy officially premiered after Fox's broadcast of Super Bowl 33 on January 31st, 1999, with Death Has a Shadow. The show debuted to 22 million viewers and immediately generated controversy regarding its adult content. Now, in 2000, McFarlane won a primetime Emmy for outstanding voiceover for his performance as Stewie Griffin. And two years later, he would win a different Emmy, this time for outstanding music and lyrics, which he shared with Walter Murphy, who wrote the music for Seth's lyrics for the song You've Got a Lot to See from Season 3, Episode 17, Brian Wallows and Peter Swallows. Between those awards, uh, Seth was actually scheduled to board an American Airlines flight out of Boston, but uh, an error with the travel agency caused him to arrive late and miss his plane. An hour later, that plane slammed into the World Trade Center. So that the history of Family Guy was almost very, very different that day. Uh, Family Guy's cancellation was announced shortly after the third season had aired in 2002 with one unaired episode. It was season three, episode 22, When You Wish Upon a Weinstein, uh, eventually premiering on Adult Swim in 2003 and finishing the series' original run. During this downtime, McFarlane was able to land a small role on a little show called Star Trek Enterprise in season three, episode 20, The Forgotten, which began production on January 23rd, 2004. And in December of that same year, he would again get some screen time and finally a character name as NXO2's Ensign Rivers in season four, episode five, Affliction, which was shot from December 3rd through the 12th of 2004. During this time, Family Guy's favorable DVD sales and high ratings from syndicated reruns convinced Fox to revive the show. And a fourth season would begin airing the following year on May 1st, 2005. So, Fred, we've been asking guests when they come on, uh, you know, for an episode of Star Trek, we've been asking the question, is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and watching Star Trek for the first time, is this episode part of what they can't miss, you know, for either one reason or another? But with this episode of Family Guy, I think this speaks more to the fandom and to people who are into the end goal of Star Trek being that utopian vision of the future that Gene Roddenberry had back in the sixties. Um, so do you think this episode of family guy is essential viewing? Uh, so I would say it's essential viewing. If you want to watch family guy, because to me, every episode is essential viewing. They're all great right. in their own way. Yeah. Um, and then if you're a Star Trek fan uh, and you'd spoken a little bit towards that, where it's more geared towards the fandom, it's probably also essential viewing because if there's one thing I know about fandoms for like movies, TV shows, that kind of thing is they love clapping themselves on the back. So uh, anything that goes right to them, like it's a way to, to boost yourself up and be like, Hey, that's a thing for us. So, you know, you get, and then also, the episode was the first time that uh, TNG had the cast had all been back together for any project right. since um, 
the the what was it the the last movie they had done uh nemesis nemesis and, yes. and before that was uh yesterday's uh, enterprise from 1990 i believe yeah so it was the the first time they had all been together which is probably a cool interaction to see even though you know it is a, a directed thing where you know they're not it's not like an interview they're not you know kind of talking about their past experiences but they all are interacting again and, and it's in a way that you wouldn't have seen on the show because it's all as we'd mentioned previously kind of ridiculous interactions and, right <laughs> and just going about it but it is um that little bit of history of okay, this was the last time they were together. And then he got them all together again to do this little bit of ridiculousness that amounts to five to 10 minutes of the the episode, if even yeah. that long. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's really the, short. So <laughs> um, I think for that in and of itself, just being able to to re-witness like that coming together and then just the 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 fun it pokes at different things because i mean we we didn't discuss how or you kind of mentioned it in the thing like even when they're doing the convention you know they get all those questions you got all the people and like fully nerded out like dressed in, in cosplay and then they're asking them just like not even star trek related questions yeah <laughs> you know it's like not what you would expect at all and it's just like that fun interaction of um having them all together and getting them in this um this situation would i would say you know definitely if you're a fan just go out and watch it for the laughs yeah absolutely well said uh any uh final thoughts about this episode of family guy family guy as a whole um star trek what you do know of it um and your thoughts on the franchise uh your thoughts about this episode of computer resume podcast Uh, any final thoughts today oh to start i mean clearly this is the best episode of computer resume podcast you've ever done yes Uh, i can't put my finger on why but i'm just gonna like if i had to vote on all of them as one being the best uh it would be this one and then there's probably some other ones and then i think my wife was on some so they'll they'll be like down for you know further down the list like i have to talk to her all the time i know what that's like you know uh, so like those episodes are probably you know like those are that's what that's what you put in like syndication reruns, you know, this is like, <laughs> like this is the one that you like try to get the series like sold on, you know, right, like, those right. ones are just like, Oh, I've sold this. I don't have to put out my top tier uh, stuff anymore. Um, <laughs> but no, I think um, so it's, it's kind of related, but it's kind of not one of the things I did to kind of uh, prep for besides watching the episode and kind of looking some things up is I went on IMDB and you go on IMDB about the episode and they give you all this like little random information, trivia and stuff like that. Right. But IMDB isn't like curated by people involved in the show. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so sometimes the stuff you get is either a little tongue in cheek or just lack of knowledge. Yeah. And I can't decide which one this is, but my favorite thing under the trivia is Patrick Stewart, as portrayed in this show, looks like Avery Bullock from American Dad, the character he voices in that show. (laughs) And I don't know if someone put that there to be a troll <laughs> yeah or if someone clearly like that's where we kind of get into like earlier i was saying like oh everyone knows about star trek because you know in the zeitgeist like someone clearly has no clue who the hell that is right and it's just like oh i know that guy from american dad what's he doing in this show too <laughs> yeah that's so funny to me that's a, that there's a possibility that somebody's like oh that's the guy from american dad but has no clue about star trek or x or anything not, else that's not captain picard that's no. that's avery bullock from american dad like 
Yep, that's you are right. Of all, I'm sure on his great list of accomplishments, yep. the thing that he, much like this episode, yes. Avery Bullock is the number one. He has it's a platinum like picture, like a, it's hanging on his wall. He's got posters. He has an entire Avery Bullock room, and he he just on the desk in that room, he keeps like a small Enterprise model, like <laughs> exactly <laughs> this. My episode is the Avery Bullock episode of Patrick Stewart's <laughs> career. The Avery, the Avery Bullock of Patrick Stewart's career. That's so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Well, uh, dude, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, next week, we will be joined by Wes from Twin City Trekkies for Enterprise season four, episodes seven, eight, and nine The Forge, Affliction, and Kirshara, which are available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Fred, what do you want to let the listeners of this show know about to go and support and uh, where they can potentially see you and follow you? Uh, I don't do anything. (laughs) I'm boring. So what I'm going to do is apparently I'm about to shout out Wes from Twin City Trekkies because you were putting three episodes on this dude in one shot. Like... (laughs) That is that is just like he is he has spent the last month prepping for this. There is no way that you prepare like I've seen what it does to Ren when she has to watch an episode and prepare to talk on it. Are you guys uh, filming off like you're are you recording all three at the same time? Or are you breaking them up into? Yeah. Um, like Are they tied together as someone who has no idea? Like, let's give a little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as Enterprise, you know, Enterprise ran for four seasons. Um, and oh, so he's almost done. Yeah, yeah, we're all yeah, we're 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 going to be finishing Enterprise uh, by the end of this year. That's that's the plan if my schedule holds. Nice. Um, but uh, with season one and two of Enterprise, it was very it was very episodic, and you know, it's okay, we're out here for the first time. What shenanigans are we getting into this week? And then uh, at the end of season two, there's a big um, plot uh, shove forward with um, Earth getting attacked by uh, uh, this new uh, alien race we haven't met before called the Zindi. And uh, they actually carve a new Grand Canyon in Earth and it kills like 7 million people. Um, So Enterprise gets tasked with, okay, here's upgraded armor, upgraded weapons, and now you have Makos, which are basically like uh, military soldiers. So Enterprise actually has its first red shirts. Um, And then uh, from season three, all of season three is what is known as the Zindi War. And it's basically the story of how, you know, we find out who they are, what they're doing, what they want. How do we talk to them, establish peace? How do we defeat them? Whatever it is. And that's season three. Um, At the end of season three, uh, moving forward, the showrunners of Enterprise uh, turned over showrunning duties to one of the writers, Manny Cotto for him to handle the final season. And so with the final season, uh, you got a lot of two and three episode arcs as opposed to one big story or individual episodic, you know, structure. It makes sense to kind of tie them all together if you're right. So those, those three episodes act as one contained story. So that's why we're doing it all in one episode. So was enterprise, planned to be four seasons or do you think the switch from the showrunners as it stood to this writer taking the helm um led to 
Enterprise only being four seasons. I think I think they got a lot of pushback on a lot of different things. Uh, I know that there was, uh, you know, one one of the characters on the show is uh, hyper sexualized um, on numerous occasions. Um, A lot of people took issue with um, some of the plot uh, devices and storylines being uh, either misogynistic or racist or things of that nature. Uh, A lot of people had issues with the theme song, the theme song, uh, Faith of the Heart. You know, if you, you know, even skimming the surface of Google uh, or Internet memes, you will find that there is a deep, deep hatred amongst trek fans for the song faith of the heart um but yeah i think i think they had planned to go longer but i think as you know post 9 because this enterprise started like two weeks after 9 11 so by season two i think is where they get the drive to start addressing some of the issues uh politically and socially um with that in the show because star trek has always commented on you know us as a species and you know political and uh social things of the day uh so when that happened um you know they started going down this path and then the zindi war i guess was not as well received um amongst fans and critics and at this point this is technically the end of what is known as the TNG era. TNG, of course, the next generation, but the TNG era is next gen deep space nine Voyager and then enterprise. A lot of people just count TNG as, you know, TNG deep space nine Voyager, because those were the quote unquote good ones. Uh, And enterprise just kind of ends up being this weird outlier. But um, I think it was planned to go longer, but I think when they saw the numbers going down, um, and uh you know critical and fan response was not exactly positive they decided to cut their losses and they cut it at season four okay Um, which uh a lot of hardcore fans are still upset because the ending didn't offer a lot of closure and uh was a bit of a cop-out and even to the people involved in the show cast crew directing writing because they were kind of forced into this okay we got to wrap up the show now because the studio is done or the network is done okay what do we do and they ended up scrambling to put this thing together that actually combined enterprise and tng in a last ditch effort you know maybe as a hail mary bridge the gap between the two shows yeah it was enterprise is like a prequel to enterprise is a enterprise is a prequel to the entire franchise it is right. in, in terms of chronology it is the first thing that happens um but you know spoilers for the end of enterprise uh the final episode is actually an episode is actually a side story from the next generation where will Riker goes into a holodeck and pulls up the pulls up a hologram of the NX-01 and the entire crew and interacts with them because Riker is dealing with a particular set of circumstances that's explored in an, in a TNG episode, but he goes to the cast of, you know, the cast of characters from enterprise looking for advice. And he poses as a, uh, as the ship's cook, because at this point uh, there aren't replicators or anything like that. So he just poses as, 
the NX-01's cook, and he's able to sit and have these one-on-one conversations with these characters and gain some insight for what he has to do. And of course, the episode wraps up with him and Deanna Troy watching uh, Captain Jonathan Archer, played by Scott Bakula, watching him give the big speech that launches um, the United Federation of Planets. So now that there's, so now it's not just Starfleet and, you know, two or three ships. It's actually Starfleet, which is under the United Federation of Planets. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's kind of the end of the episode. That's kind of how it wraps up. And it just, it's just kind of lackluster. It just kind of fell flat. It it felt like a weird uh, g- grab to either hang on and get renewed for another season or to reestablish goodwill with the fans or critics. I don't know why, uh, but yeah, it ended up just kind of falling flat. And uh, that's, that's enterprise in a nutshell. So, so they had that. Um, I guess if they bring it back for a fifth season, they don't, they don't really stay with that tie in because if he's, it was a, I'm guessing an older him giving the speech about the United Federation. of Planets. Yeah. Uh, not older by much, but uh, yeah, a few, a few years down the line. So if they have that that tie in with like Riker and Troy, do you think if there is a fifth season, they kind of bring some of those um, TNG characters like more crossover into the show? I think there's there's always been a push for them to to do something else with the Enterprise cast. Um, I actually a few episodes back, we had an episode where Enterprise is floating along and they're approached by this other ship. And then when they pull them up on screen, they see it's the nx01 but what happened was uh through different circumstances uh the nx01 got sucked into a vortex and spat out like 117 years in the past so the enterprise that the main cast encounters is crewed by the descendants of the current crew so the captain is actually the son of the chief engineer and the first officer and the first af- the first officer is the daughter of the current captain and someone else that they rescued from another planet and i and so throughout that episode they're interacting with their past self or the current crew is interacting with their potential future descendants okay and uh, i posited that if they are going to do a fifth season a it needs to be animated um and not like lower decks animated. It needs to be like maybe some sort of uh, more dramatic, more dynamic style, something closer to what they've got going on with uh, Legend of Vox Machina on uh, Amazon Prime. You know, leaning more towards that uh, DC animation, but with a, a certain uh, Japanese anime flair to it. Okay. Uh, just because it's more dynamic and more dramatic and all that stuff. Anyway. Um, you can get all the original cast to come back and voice their characters and all that stuff. But the the narrative needs to be when the Enterprise actually gets sucked into that vortex and shot out, you know, 117 years in the past. Now they have no connection to Starfleet or any other ships at all. And they basically have to survive out there. So it actually... Uh, brings back some star trek voyager vibes which the whole thing of voyager is they're lost in space and trying to get home um so i think i think that would be they made a a show about that 
uh, Lost in Space. I feel like it was yeah. exactly called like Lost in Space. Yeah, Lost in Star Space Trek, is Star Trek will step on anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I've I've said that that uh, they need to uh, if they are going to bring it back, a make it animated, and b make it when the ship gets sucked into that vortex because then you can because can in the episode Enterprise does the thing to set the timeline right. So can, and we never see what happens to the ship with, with the descendants. We assume they disappeared um, because the timeline has been reset and everything's and everything's fine. So if they were to do a fifth season with that enterprise that gets sucked into the vortex, it wouldn't have any direct impact on the rest of the franchise, but maybe we'll get some closure with some of the character, some of the character arcs, you know, Archer, um, you know, the, the, budding romance between the engineer and the first officer and you know some of the other characters um but yeah i think i think that would be an interesting way to go um will it ever happen i don't know i think the fandom is too busy signing a petition to have seth mcfarlane replace alec kurtzman who's the current you know driving force behind new trek which is not going to happen my wife was like oh are they are, are they going to do that i'm like no there's no way that's gonna happen she's like yeah, why um she's the like, over importance of yeah <laughs> that, that fans have placed on themselves and the internet and just oh if we don't like a thing we can make a petition and change it but like just stop like <laughs> if you want to change it go get the job yeah yeah stop yeah, exactly. sitting at home and complaining write your treatments present them sure go get the job yeah. that's how you change it yeah. Like it's <laughs> this other guy isn't going to have the vision you have because yeah. you are one person. If you want your vision out there, go put it out there. Yeah. And look, creative stuff aside, there is contracts and millions of dollars on the table. So for this thing to happen, they'd have to fire Akiva Goldsman, which means canceling his contract, which means paying him out of it. Mm-hmm. And then putting McFarlane in place, which means they'd have to get another contract and more money and not to mention Seth MacFarlane's involved with the Orville which means they'd have to buy him out of that contract and cancel what is probably one of Fox's best production properties currently so well, he's still like, also under contract with Family Guy whose 21st season is coming out in September of 2023 I believe yeah so, so he's not about to burn a bridge with Fox. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I mean, for all the for all the junk he talks about about dealing with Fox and how they canceled him, it's, it's not a secret. Seth MacFarlane has skewered the has skewered the people at Fox for canceling his show and then bringing it back and the whole thing. He's made a big joke about it multiple times. But at the same there's time, a, like he uh, knows- I mean, there's an in joke in Family Guy later seasons mm-hmm. where the group rags on Cleveland for his show getting canceled. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And yeah, so when fans think that, oh, well, we'll sign this petition, and it's going to happen. It's like you are not looking at the bigger picture here. It is not going to happen. Uh, you know, if the best thing you can do is if you don't like something, don't watch it. You know, yeah. and stop interacting about it because you're. Well, that's just, true. I mean, you're just like you're we just, just discussed. Yeah, you're just enterprise ended algorithm. because yeah, enterprise ended because the numbers went down. Yeah, if you're if you're providing interaction, this is the same thing with um, you look at uh, Sony with Morbius, and it's like um, you know that that mistake where 
um, people talking about it, about how bad it was and how terrible it is and making the jokes like everyone, everyone, you know, makes fun of Sony for re-releasing the movie because of all that interaction it was getting. And it's like, you did that, not Sony. Yeah. Sony just said, well, clearly there's something. So let's put it back out there. Even if it's to make people talk about it more, like now Morbius is in the consciousness even longer yeah because you won't <laughs> shut up about because, it yeah because you won't just leave it alone if you really hate it leave it alone it'll go away <laughs> uh yeah well uh and so uh where can uh people find you and bother you directly on the internet nowhere you leave me alone <laughs> much people like you know, find me and send me messages about star trek oh you should really watch it i get that enough guys i don't i told you i'm the biggest star trek villain in the history of villains what did i tell you at the beginning if you watch star trek you're dumb <laughs> I tell my wife that too and and i am at mr todd a davis on all of the socials from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening and i'll see you at 10 more Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. Look at me. I've got girl boobs. How's that for a slice of fried gold?